It was in 1989 that Pastor Bryant took myself, um, Pastor Eddie, and a few others from our church um, on a kind of scouted out mission trip. We went over to Eastern Europe just really to, to see what was going on and what the opportunities might be. And in that trip, God moved so powerfully that two churches ended up being planted. One in Subotica, Yugoslavia, which is now Croatia, and the other one in a place called Baia, Hungary. And then from there, the, the work just began to spread throughout many, many parts of Hungary. And in 1996, a group from our church helped establish and start a church in a city called Debrecen. Debrecen is the second largest city in Hungary, and uh, it's really famous for a medical school that it has there. And so we we got this this Bible study going, and this church started, and the very first day there showed up this medical student at the Bible study, and God got a hold of his heart, and none of us ever would have dreamed in that moment, I don't think, that Several years later, that medical student, who would go on to become a full-fledged doctor, would end up being the pastor of Calvary Chapel Debertson. And uh, he has been the pastor there now for, I think it's 15 years. Um, in your handout, you uh, could read all about him and his story and what God has done with them. And he is just an awesome guy. I love him so much. Um, I've known him for just so long now and just love what God has done with his life, what God is doing with his life. So excited for him to share with us tonight just some crazy things that are happening um, in his church and the word that he has for us as a church. So would you please welcome Pastor Bodie? Hello, good evening. I'm bringing my greetings from the city of Debrecen. And uh, I'm very blessed to be here with you tonight. And uh, I brought you some... um, news on what's going on over there in Debrecen. Uh, When Rob asked me to share my story and put it together, uh, it's in the handout, so you can see a very short history of what the Lord has been doing in Debrecen, but I did bring you some pictures. So can we show the pictures now? Okay, so what you see behind me is... um, uh, is my beautiful city, Debrecen. This is the largest Calvinist church in whole Europe. So they call Debrecen the Calvinist Rome, and uh, we have a huge seminary there. And uh, God really blessed me with a great family. There's my wife and my three beautiful daughters. And uh, she's my lovely wife, Dory. She is a great companion, a love of my life, and also she's a great companion in ministry. She's our worship leader at the church. And uh, here's our family picking apples with my mother-in-law. She's a great (laughs) mother-in-law. That's my wife and me. And um, there you go with my middle daughter. And so that's my family. And this is uh, my other family. Uh, Have you guys heard about the refugee crisis in Europe? Probably all of you have. Nobody would ever dream that there would be such a crisis where 20,000 refugees would cross the border of the EU per night. 
That's pretty radical. A small city of people appearing in your country every night, and uh, they all seek uh, freedom. They all seek a better life. They are fleeing, free, uh, fleeing from the Middle East and from Africa. Most of them are fleeing from the terrors of ISIS and Boko Haram. And they have uh, so amazing stories to tell. Uh, many of them are deeply persecuted and they are very desperate. You know, just to give you a little bit of taste of their desperation, over there in Hungary right now it's below freezing point and still every night 20,000 people would show up at the border. We have witnessed a woman, a woman giving birth to her first child in the middle of a cornfield, in the middle of nowhere, That's how desperate they are, you know. Even in that state, they're going to come and try to seek a better life. Well, yesterday in the news I read, uh, they found one of the oldest refugees would be 102 years old, getting on this journey of several miles, walking into... And, you know, these people would hand their children over to us and say, well, please take my child because he would have a better life with you. That's how desperate they are. And so they are all fleeing in, trying to seek a refuge. But aren't we all refugees seeking a refuge in God? And there's only one place to find that refuge, and that's Jesus Christ. I would probably never go to the Middle East um, for several reasons, (laughs) but God decided to bring the Middle East to our doorstep, and that's what's happening. So in the next pictures, you're going to see several pictures of these refugees, and, uh, you know, we try to attend medical care for them, you know, the long journey on their feet, not, you know, uh, really need a lot of medical attention. And uh, what's crazy about this whole thing is what God is doing. He is pouring out his spirit uh, over these refugees. And we are in a very blessed position in Debrecen. Uh, We have a refugee camp there. Ever since 1999, we have a refugee camp ministry. Uh, While before, you know, we were serving Serbians and people from the Balkans. But now we have people from all over the world coming there. And when they start uh, filing for their asylum, a permit to stay there, you know, they move to the refugee camps. And God has poured out his spirit there. Look at these guys. You see 17 different nations on this picture. And all of them gave their life to the Lord. They have amazing stories. My translator, John, (laughs) was actually led to Hungary by a group of fireflies. Uh, he, had, he was a rich man in uh, Iran, so he paid human traffickers to take him to Germany, but they dropped him on the border of Serbia and Hungary and told him, here you go, this is Germany. Well, he found out soon, it's not Germany, it's the middle of nowhere. So for the first time, he cried out to God and said, you know, God, if you're out there, please help me. And so God sent him these groups of fireflies that let him through the border into Hungary. And he saw the border guards on both sides, but they didn't notice him. And he was the guy who learned English from the dictionary. So it's, uh, I know I have an accent, but listening to John, it's really hard to understand. But he is the guy who can translate into Persian. We have a lot of refugees from Iran and Iraq who speak Persian. And so we started a Bible study 
And uh, these people got on fire for the Lord so much that they actually, from the camp, bring new people, 10, 20 new people every week to the Bible study. And some get saved, some don't, you know. But we got to a point that since April, our church actually has doubled in size with people who are just incredibly new believers, you know. They don't even know who Jesus is, who Noah is, or what the Ten Commandment is all about. They have no idea. So starting from ground zero, Bible studies are crazy. You know, how they uh, turn their Bibles is not this way, but the other way around. And I thought, well, I'm just going to learn which book is or which on the, in the line and look at the numbers and point the, to the Bible verses so they can read. Well, guess what? In their Bibles, they don't use numbers. They write out the numbers in letters, but they write it out in Arabic. So I have no idea what, what, and where. <laughs> but it takes them five minutes to find a Bible verse. So a 45-minute Bible study could take three hours. And the other thing is that, uh, you know, they, uh, not everybody understands uh, Persian. So I'm saying the Bible study in, in English. Those who understand English are sitting in the middle. Those would be refugees from Africa. And then on this side, I have a Hungarian translator shouting the Hungarian translation that way. On this side, simultaneously, that would be my Persian translator shouting the Persian translation that way. And from Persian, they would translate to Turkish, Afghan, Pakistanian, seven languages at the same time. So you guys are really quiet for a Bible study compared to that, you know. It's it's amazing to see what the Lord is doing. And um, so this is a great group of people again. uh, We are praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for them to go into the camps and, you know, uh, tell all the others about Jesus. It's a very unique time in history. They are on their way to Germany and England and, you know, Sweden. Those are the countries they are aiming for. And these uh, countries have the closed communities of refugees, I mean, uh, you know, foreigners. So when they get there, basically the gospel cannot really reach them because they live in a closed community. But guess what God had in mind? On the way there, he wants to get a hold of their hearts. And these evangelists are going there. Please be praying for them because they can light the fire in these communities all over Europe. Everyone is so afraid of, you know, the Islam, uh, you know, getting bigger in Europe. Wow, why aren't we so excited about the God of all nations, Jesus Christ, who can light the fire in all of those communities? So please be praying for them. It's an amazing tool that we have received from actually from Rob Nash. He was visiting there last summer uh, in the Bible College, and he just handed me over uh, the uh, God Story uh, uh, DVDs and the little solar players. And I was amazed because uh, it was in the mother tongues of all these guys, and even ro- uh, ro- uh, you know in Gypsy language and in Hungarian. So it was a great tool to hand out and to do. Bible study for those who had no Bible or no understanding of reading the Bible. And I always thought these movies were cheesy. I mean, I'm like, 
God's not going to use a movie anymore. Maybe that was effective 20 years ago, but come on, this is a different age. Now, when these guys came into the church, uh, they brought almost half of the refugee camp to church, and there were people who've never heard about uh, God, and uh, so we played the movie for them in, the, in their own mother tongue for the first time, and they responded. Almost everybody accepted the Lord in tears. That is such an amazing thing to see how God just pours out his spirit upon these people. And it's such a privilege to be a part of that. Every weekend over the last two months, we get support from the local Bible college in Vajta, Calvary Bible College, Vajta, Hungary. And they come over and we do Bible studies. Now, uh, Rob told me I have about 45 minutes. That's very short. In these Bible studies, we go for three hours, and then they ask another question, and we go for another two hours, and they ask another question. They, we go on. We, go, we do like about 17-hour Bible studies throughout the weekend and prayer. We just only eat, but only during, as we are eating, they are asking all the questions. Isn't that the Holy Spirit of God creating that thirst in the people? I pray that we would have that thirst and that fervence that we want to know you, Jesus. That's how we want to know your word. So this is the backyard uh, of our church. There's John, you can see, who was led by the fireflies into Hungary in the yellow shirt. He's a great guy. And so we are studying the Bible over here. We can go on. That's another great good picture uh, of all these guys. Let's go on. And uh, uh, this is like the seventh hour of Bible study into the night. And this would be the tenth probably. <laughs> great group of people with Gaulish students. And uh, okay, let's pause here for a minute. Look at this beautiful young lady over here. Her name is Renee. She actually fled uh, Iran because she wanted to have a sex change operation. And uh, for that, you know, they would have killed her over there. So that's why she came to Europe. And uh, my translator told her, you know, you don't really need a sex change operation. What you need is Jesus. You know, your life won't change. And she's like, no, no, I'm not interested. And so... John was trying to get her, get her come to church, and she's like, I don't want to come to church. And so this is what John said, hey, my pastor is a doctor, he can help you. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So she showed up, and, you know, presented her request, and I said, you know, we didn't do these things here. <laughs> and so, but let me tell you about Jesus. And we shared with Jesus and four people who gave their life to the Lord shared with her into the night. She would refuse to accept the Lord. And we sent her away, just read the Gospel of John. Next day she came back glowing and she said, I accepted Jesus. I love Jesus. I was marveled, you know, what a work of God. Let's go on. Okay, here we're praying again for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they would be again. And these are some of the Bible college students holding, their, uh, holding the Bibles, the native Bibles in the different languages. 
And uh, we are just so thankful for your help and support to be able to communicate the gospel in their own languages to these people. And it's been really amazing to see what the Lord's doing and still doing. So if you have it in your mind, please keep praying for them, uh, that they would be empowered for the Lord. And this prophecy is actually, a prophecy is being fulfilled here from Jeremiah, where uh, Jeremiah prophesied about Damascus and about the fall of Damascus, that's Syria, and how people will be fleeing away from there. So it's just amazing to witness uh, this full com- fulfillment of this prophecy. You will find that in Jeremiah 49, 23, and 27. So if you could read that at home, I would appreciate it. And just keep praying for these people, not only from Assyria, but from all over the world. And isn't that a great thing when God brings mission field right in front of you? And, you know, as soon as you leave those doors, you are entering into the mission field because that's mission field. The place where you work, those people God brings to your life, please do not underestimate uh, what God can do. Uh, probably you know Rosemary uh, Kovac. She was a missionary with us in Debrecen. And she had that great desire to go to the refugee camps. And God did miracles through that. And she answered that call. And uh, look at this. There was a guy from Nigeria called Prince who got saved, started walking with the Lord, got equipped, and God called him back to Nigeria. And he planted a church of several hundred people are attending that church, and ten other churches were planted out of that uh, ministry. So isn't that amazing? Just one faithful person answering the call of God ends up in, uh, to something like that. So I really encourage you to make yourself available for what the Lord's calling you to do because he will blow your mind uh, to the extent of what he can do. So talking about calls, let's open up our Bibles to Isaiah 6. I want to share a word from you from Isaiah 6 and then from Jeremiah 12 and then Revelation 4, and we have 30 minutes to do that unless you want to hang out for another 16 hours. (laughs) Dear Lord, we just pray that we would be transformed by your Holy Spirit through your word as you have promised. We pray that you would open our eyes to be able to see you as you are. We just pray that uh, you would show your beauty to us and we would be changed by you. Thank you so much for giving us the words of eternal life. And thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to reaching into our lives and changing us so we would be more uh, reflecting you and more like you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's look at the call of Isaiah, talking about the calling of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two covered his face, with two covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full with his glory. 
And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, of, the, King the Lord of hosts. Isn't that an amazing scene? Uh, please notice that when, uh, when did Isaiah got his call, this vision of God? In the year when King Uzziah died. Many times we experience that. When something dies, when something difficult thing happens, you know, God opens uh, open our eyes to the spiritual realm as never before. This is what happens with Isaiah. He gets to see the Lord being seated on the throne, and he is amazed by what he sees. There are these uh, uh, phenomenal creatures around the throne of God, the seraphims, and these seraphim cry to each other proclaiming the holiness of God. It's not, they are not even proclaiming the holiness to God. They are pro- proclaiming that to each other. But they've been there forever. They've, been, they've experienced and seen the holiness of God forever. And they're still proclaiming the holiness of God to each other. Hey, don't you know God is holy? Don't you know God is holy? Yeah, I know. I've seen him. But don't you know? Don't you know he is holy? They're just so amazed, so overwhelmed by the holiness and the majesty of the Lord. And many times I wish we just had eyes to see him as he is being seated on the throne in all of his holiness. And of course, when uh, Isaiah heard that, when they spoke, you know, the columns shaked. So powerful. The holiness of God, even when we proclaim it to each other or to others who don't know the Lord, is a powerful thing. And it's not even the Lord himself, you know, it's just his holiness being proclaimed. And when he shows up, that changes the scene completely. So, guess what? Isaiah says, woe, woe I am, for I'm undone. You know, studying English wasn't very easy for me. I actually wanted to quit several times. But when, I, uh, when we were studying about food and steak, you know, that was kind of strange. Like, steak, you can eat it raw, medium, and well done. That was a strange concept to us because, you know, you either cook your meat or not, you know. That was a, but okay, I understood those are the three things you can uh, get. But that's what it reminds me. Raw, medium, well done. Well, Isaiah says, I'm undone. He felt completely undone in the presence of the Lord because of his sins, because he realized how sinful he was compared to the majesty and the holiness of God. So uh, he totally understands that. And uh, in verse 6 we read, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, This has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here here am I, send me. And he said, Go. 
and tell these people, keep on hearing but do not understand, keep on seeing but do not perceive, make the heart of these people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Whoa! God takes care of the uncleanness of Isaiah, bringing that fire from the altar and cleaning him. You know, this is a picture of God's love. God's holy love reaching out to us and cleaning us from our sins. And whenever uh, Isaiah experiences that, he's able to answer the call of God. Whom shall I send? Here am I, send me. Wow, Isaiah got so excited, you know. He sees the holiness of God. He understands the sinfulness of his nature. He understands that only the love, the pure, holy love of God can purge him from those sins. So he feels like, I owe God. I want to go. I want to be sent. And then God says, okay, go. Great, I'm a missionary, he said, go and tell the people. And then he's listening to the job description. Like, um, so you mean when I, when I talk about you, people won't listen? Yeah, that's right. You heard it right. And so um, when I tell them, their heart's going to be hardened? Is that it? Yeah, that's, that's what I told you. So... Um, Wow, this is not as exciting as I thought. And you know, Isaiah had a totally different plan. He thought like, you know, now I get it. Now I have seen the glory of God. Now everybody else will. I will tell. No, no, Isaiah, you just keep telling. No one's going to get it. How does that sound? Would you, would you like a mission uh, assigned to you like that? Hey, go share the gospel. Nobody's going to listen to you. Wow. You don't have many people saying, sign me up, I'm all for it. What an exciting time I was showing you guys of what's happening. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But it's not always like that. This is a special time, special anointing of the Lord, what's, what's happening right now. But many times you just go and share and people don't listen, don't get it. And so I think Isaiah is thinking to himself, wow, this is a hard assignment, but, you know, I'll do it. I think I'll do it. I go, you know. Two weeks, I'll do it. No problem. Short-term mission trip. Oh, I sacrifice for the Lord, you know. I'm going to sacrifice two weeks of my life. I'm going to make myself available, even for an assignment like that. Here I am. Lord, send me. But God... I just one question left, you know, how long is this going to be? How long? And he's hoping, you know, two weeks, maximum two months. But God, you know, well, until the cities are laid waste without inhabitants. Whoa, what? Yeah, yeah, you heard it right, till the end. Oh, wow. That's not very exciting, you know. That's my mission for the rest of my life. Whoa, that, that is a very hard call. But you know, ever since, uh, after this, we never read about Isaiah complaining. 
We never read about him doubting his call. He is one of the godliest people who are called and sent out to the mission field. And probably one of the prophets who had the hardest realm to work with. And I believe that's because of this chapter 6. He saw the throne and he saw the one who was on the throne high and lifted up and the train of his glory filled the whole temple. And he knew that the angels, archangels, are proclaiming to each other the holiness of God. And the whole heavens is shaking because of that praise. He understood that God's love purged him from his sins and that was enough for him to consider Jesus, consider God holy and worthy to do whatever he calls him to do. Another prophet like that is Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a very godly prophet also. You never hear him complaining about anything and for 40 years he was proclaiming the gospel, he was inviting people to come and turn back to God and nobody did. Someone really special was needed to do this job. We read in Jeremiah that God assigned this job to Jeremiah even before he was born. He was filled with the Holy Spirit even within the womb and separated upon his purposes. He took a very special person to be loving for 40 years and being rejected for 40 years. He never took it, pers- never took it personally. Uh, but, you know, there were times when he, was, when he was tired. But I love Jeremiah's heart that he would never complain to anybody, but he would pour out his heart to God. That's what we read in uh, Jeremiah 12. I just love the answer of the Lord to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 12. And we read that in verse 5. Jeremiah 12, verse 5. It's somewhere in between verse 4 and 6. That's where you find 5. Okay, so this is God's answer to Jeremiah. Hey, Jeremiah, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted you wearied out, they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? God just asked one question to Jeremiah. Are you tired? Well, this is just a training, Jeremiah. You know, if you get tired by this, what's going to happen next, you know? I have things that I want to assign you which are way bigger than this. This is just a training. Don't get weary. I'm here. I'm your strength. I will carry you on. I believe many times when we get tired or when we get weary of our call or about you know the constant rejection or we're not really seeing the fruit as we were hoping to see or desire to see, God is shaping us. You know, there's still such an amazing work of God is happening either within us or among us, and God is prepping us for something. I love my daughter. She decided she wanted to play the violin, you know. 
And she started out playing the violin, and she thought, you know, she would pick up the violin and play like a pro. Well, guess what? It doesn't happen overnight. It, it's been said that about 40,000 hours of practice you put into the violin, that's when you play well. 40,000 hours? I thought I'd just pick it up and go for it, you know? It never happens. And probably you haven't seen a tree sprung up in, spring up in one night and yield fruit. It never happens. It takes time. Many times it's a slow process. Many times God wants to shape us and prepare us for the next step. And that's what's happening with Jeremiah in chapter 12, you know. Hey, they are rejecting you. That's good. You know, we are on a training. Don't take it too hard. Let's go on, you know. I will work this through, work work this thing out with you. And you're going to be ready for the next step. So next time you think, I cannot take this anymore, it's just too hard, it's just not the way I planned it or hoped for, just think about this. God will be there as a good coach saying, hey, we are in a training, you're going to do great, let's move on. I'm going to get to, I have to prepare you for the next step. It's going to be even greater. You will experience great things. And after this, you never see Jeremiah complaining again. You will see at the end of the book, his scribe, Baruch, he just had it. I'm like, for 40 years, I'm writing down these judgments and prophecies. No one is responding. What's going on, Lord? God said the same thing to Baruch. Hey, Get yourself together. It's not about you. It's not about a self-pity party. You know, it's about me. And I expect godly people, even in the time of harshness, hardness, and rejection, to trust me. And do not be a reactionary to your feelings or to the rejections going on, but to have a full trust in me. That's what I, that's what I want for my people. I want to bless them. I never forget a story about a man who was an artist. He could walk on a rope. And one of his things was to hang the rope over the Niagara Falls. And he would walk on the rope. And then he would walk back. And in the middle he would stop and prepare an egg for himself and eat it while on the rope. And then he would cross back. Everyone's marveled. Then he took a barrel, a wheelbarrow, is that how you call it? And he walked on the road through the Niagara Falls with a bag of potatoes in it. And everybody marveled. Then he got back. And there was a prince from uh, the UK watching this. And this guy asked, hey, do you think I can take a man in my wheelbarrow to cross over the Niagara Falls on the road? And he said, yes. Well, are you willing to be the man? I was like, no way. (laughs) And so this guy asked the crowd, who is willing? No one was willing. And there was one old lady who volunteered. And she got into the wheelbarrow. He took him over the other side and back. That woman was the mother of that person. Only her mother had that trust in his son that he can do this. Many times, that's what I feel, God's calling us. Everybody would agree, can God do this? 
Yeah, he can. Well, are you willing to be the one? Well, I thought rather a bag of potato would be better or maybe someone else, you know. Me? I'm not sure about it. But God's calling us to get into this barrel, wheelbarrow that he is pushing, and he's calling us to trust in him. And that's what he did throughout these um, prophets of his. Even if when things are not working out the way, you know, they planned out. Let's turn to Revelations, uh, Revelations 4. And we are going to read uh, from verse 1. This is John writing from the island of Patmos. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and, on, and one sat on the throne. And he, sat, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on those thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne... Proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in the back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, and the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The fourth living creatures, each having six wigs, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, he lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Now if you skip down to chapter 5, verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a heart and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Isn't that a beautiful scene? We tend to think that it happened in the past. Guess what? It's still happening now. The 
the archangels are still there proclaiming the holiness of God. The 24 elders are still there casting their crowns and praising God. And uh, they praise God for his worthy who has taken the scroll because he is the God of all nations. He saved us from each tribe, each nation, and from every tongue. It's still happening. This is what amazes me, that we can join this worship. And this is what Isaiah saw. This is what John saw. This is what Jeremiah understood. And when we read this chapter, you just cannot pass by the word throne. Throne. That's the first thing he sees, the throne. And the throne that is occupied, Jesus is sitting on the throne. Many times we ask kids, like, what, how, do, how do you think uh, heaven's going to look like? And, you know, one of the kids, oh, there's going to be three major screens when I can play, you know. Well, guess what? That's not how it looks like. <laughs> when you go to heaven, there's going to be many things. But one thing will stand out, and that's the throne of God and Jesus sitting on that throne. And John relates everything to this throne, before the throne, around the throne, on the throne, above the throne. Everything is just centered around the throne. I pray that all of our lives would be centered around the throne of Jesus, around his reign, around his worthiness, around the salvation he provided, around his holiness, and, and his, his, his love that purifies us. So when Isaiah saw that, Jeremiah saw that, John saw that, you know, he's not writing, he's not writing from the ocean side on the beach looking at the nice, you know, sunset. He's in Patmos. He's in miserable circumstances. Jeremiah actually was thrown into prison several times, cast out to Egypt, and very rejected. Isaiah, you know, nobody listened to him, very hard mission. But still, these people always saw God on the throne, his holiness, his glory, his worthiness, his purging and cleaning love towards us. And so they just went on. They weren't reactionaries. They did go through seasons of hard times. But you know, that's what they saw. And they desired to press on. So God is still asking, whom shall I send? And if you want to raise your hand, yeah, send me. Here I am, Lord. And guess what? He's going to assign you a great mission. Maybe not what you were hoping for, planning for. You can ask for how long? Well, God is not looking only for one or two days from your life, you know, till it's done, <laughs> you know, till it's done. I'm so honored to be here and share this word with you. And I'm so honored to be a son of God, who is a God of all nations. His kingdom is being expanded even in this very moment. Maybe someone is here in the room who doesn't know Jesus. Well, this is your chance to turn to him, to be purged from your sins by his holy love. And, you know, God's kingdom is expanding all over the world. One time I saw a project where online people would click, I'm interested to know about Jesus. They would read 
the gospel and there was a, there's a button they can click that I want to accept Jesus and another button that, yes, I have prayed through the prayer. And I saw this world map and there were like little lights lighting up everywhere on the globe as, I, as the guy talked. In one minute, there was like 70, 80 lights lit up. And I said, what's that? He's like, those are people clicking that I have accepted Jesus and prayed this prayer, and they are, they are being referred to a Bible teaching church to be discipled. We don't even know what the Lord is doing, but he is doing a great work. We serve a great God, and we are loved by a great God, the God of all nations. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Dear Father, Heavenly Father, we are just so honored to join that choir of uh, praise in heaven. And Lord, we just want to uh, proclaim to each other that you are holy and mighty and worthy. We just want to proclaim your goodness to each other. And we know heavens are trembling. And we know that the purging love of you just being poured out. We pray, Lord, for your call. I pray for all of us who have been touched and called by you, that you would prepare us and you would take us by your Spirit. We pray, Jesus, that you would make us not reactionaries, but missionaries, that we might be able to fulfill what you have for us. How grateful we are that even though we lack the power, the capabilities, the abilities, the strength many times, or even the desire, you would still pour out your spirit and do miracles because you are the God of wonders and God of miracles. We are just so thankful that we know you. We praise you for extending your kingdom all over the world. I am so thankful for this fellowship who have been supporting our work over there for 19 years with finances and prayer and with their love and mission trips. I pray, Jesus, that you would use us in a way that you have planned for us. We just want to commit our lives into your hands. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wasn't that an awesome word? I should encourage. Don't we have a big God? We do. Amen. Amen. Hey, look, we want to pray for Bodhi uh, tonight. Father, we thank you for our brother, and we thank you for just the way you um, used him tonight to just encourage our hearts and to remind us, Lord, of just how great you are. Mm, And Father, I pray as he just leads the work there in Debritson. And Lord, as you have um, definitely expanded, Lord, their reach and their borders and their impact. Lord, I know that that also has just brought uh, more and more uh, work and, and responsibility upon his shoulders. And so, God, I pray that you would fill him afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray in this remaining week that he is here in the States that you would refresh him. 
that you would um, encourage him. Lord, I pray you'd be with his family back home. And Lord, I pray that you would just add labors to the harvest there in Debretson. And we thank you so much, Lord, for the work that you are doing, the revival that is happening. And God, we pray that Bodhi would have a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit to do all that you have put before him. And we thank you, God, for his faithfulness all these years. And we just ask that you would continue to just move and work um, in and through his life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Praise the Lord. Hey, I think the best way for us to just close out our service tonight is to join with heaven right now as they're gathered around the throne worshiping Jesus, the one who is worthy, who I love how he just brought that scene from Revelation and and reminded us that that's what's happening right now. And the beautiful thing is we can have the opportunity right now to just join with all of heaven in declaring the greatness of God, to, to reaffirm in our own hearts tonight that Lord, I know you are on the throne, and Lord, I need you to be on the throne of my life or this situation or whatever it might be going on in your life tonight. And um, let's just rejoice in the Lord tonight.